You are listening to Just Another Podcast. Contact us directly at Just Another Podcast Live at gmail.com. So, welcome to another episode of Just Another Podcast. I'm your boy, Daryl. I'm your boy, Will. Are we excited that you guys have actually decided to listen to a second episode of this podcast we've put together? Um, and so as we get ready to gear up for, for 2021, um, and there's a lot going on already, we do want to go ahead and put our timestamp on the year that just ended, uh, 2020 definitely being one of the most historic years of our lives. Um, there are so many years that have gone by that I can't even remember personally, but I know mm. this is definitely going to be one we're going to talk about until we die. Um, mm-hmm. the only thing that you I can know, think of, go ahead. No, I said, you know, it's crazy. I remember seeing this Instagram post of this angel going up to God and was like, God, I, I took care of everything on your list, um, that you wanted to happen in 2020. And God looked at the list and was like, you idiot. This is what was supposed to happen in the last decade, not in one year. Hey, that's how it feels, man. I, I remember back in 2001, which is 20 years ago. Right. Oh, wow. So crazy. Uh, 9-11 happened. Uh, that was the birth. Oh, that's... Yeah. And that was the birth of TSA, you know, so now we, we going through the airport, <laughs> TSA crazy. pre-check. That was. And that wasn't even a thing. Um, and so you, you have a few of those historic moments, but I think 2020 was jam-packed. Um, so yeah. what I've done is I created a list and we'll kind of go through some of the different things on our list. So the list has about 25 mm-hmm. items um, and we'll try to go through all of them. Um, and if time starts to get beyond us, then we'll, we'll uh, slow down and start to highlight just the biggest mm-hmm. ones. Um, and so I'll start with the first thing on the list. And so, well, before even going into the list, um, I think I want to set the stage for what 2020 was for so many people, right? Um, and so everybody knows 2020 um, was is is there's a lot of references to vision. So you have 2020 vision. Um, you have pastors around the country talking about your vision, writing it down, making it plain. Um, and so a lot of people was getting ready at the end of 2019, ready to change their lives and ready to really mm-hmm. make things happen. Yeah, think, 2020 gonna be my year. Man, everybody was excited. <laughs> you know, any any good year like 2000, that was a big thing. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody thought computers was gonna crash. It was crazy. Uh, 2010 wasn't wasn't as big, but I remember mm-hmm. getting ready for 2020. Everybody was making plans, and like God yeah. laughed at each and every one of those plans. Um, exactly. And so let's start at the top of the list. Uh, the first thing we have is. January 3rd, so just three days into the beautiful uh, year, we hear that uh, General Soleimani from Iran is killed. Uh, mm-hmm. So what was, what, what was your first thoughts on that, Will? I mean, it was it was interesting, right? Because, you know, every, every president wants to be known for something, right? And I think it's... Thank you, baby. And I think it's one of those... Uh, my beautiful uh, wife, y'all. But I think it's one of those situations where Trump saw this as his opportunity, right? Because like he came on as 
he brought up this bravada of I am the president of presidents. I am the liberator of uh, of our country. And so killing Soleimani was that impact. But I think, you know, it's interesting because it in all aspects, it's like kind of negatively affected his presidency. Definitely, definitely. And, and it's funny to think about it because there was even comments of him saying that Barack would do something like that to try to get reelected. Um, and sure enough, um, as the election year came up, he went to the extreme. I mean, I think for a lot of young people, it was just that fear of, are we going to go towards a World War III? Um, is that something that's possible? Um, and so I think that even from the get-go of the year, um, that was something that really shocked us um, because, you know, we he was bragging about it. Uh, they put out a uh, warrant for his arrest. Mm -hmm. um, and so... I think the warrant is still actually valid. Yeah, yeah. So like just this week they were they were talking about it. Yeah. Um, and so if you're listening to this, we're actually recording this um about eight days outside of the end of his presidency. Um, and so we'll talk more about mm -hmm. his presidency towards the end. Um, but definitely something that was surprising. Um, and of course, uh the biggest thing that happened in 2020 started in January as well. Well, actually back in December in China, um, but January 13th, they found the first case of COVID-19 outside of China in, in Thailand. Um, and then fast mm -hmm. forward to the next week, um, I think in Washington state, the first case of COVID in the United States. In the US. Mm -hmm. um, and the crazy thing about but it I is no one cared. I don't think mm -hmm. no one was too worried. But is, isn't that just americans though like in general like unless like it actually directly affects us like we think of it as outside of us because we were seeing videos online on youtube with people in complete like surgical gear we were seeing like videos in china people with face masks on but again you know us being very siloed within our nation it was just like oh well that's just chinese don't worry about it that's not gonna affect us um this probably like ebola it's gonna be here one week and gone the next. But no, COVID came. COVID came like a like like a warring storm. It did. It did, and we definitely didn't give it the respect it deserved. Um, Trump. All. Trump said it was gonna go away magically, and it's just gonna disappear <laughs> like magic. Um, and so no one was really scared when it when we first heard about it. The first case, um, they definitely made a bigger fuss about Ebola when it first hit mm -hmm. the states. Um, and so six, only six days into hearing about the coronavirus, um, we got the, the devastating and uh, tragic news that one of the greats in basketball, uh, Kobe Bryant, had gotten into a helicopter crash. Um, he was with his daughter, Gigi, um, and seven other individuals. Um, so kind of what was going through your mind, Will, when that, when that happened? So just backstory, I am... So I am truly a Lakers fan because of Kobe Bryant. And people always ask me, well, you're from Minnesota. Why are you not a Timberwolves fan? And I'm quick to remind them that don't forget the, the Lakers are called the Lakers because they started in the state of Minnesota. They're called the Lakers because we have over 10,000 uh, lakes in our home state. But Kobe Bryant for me was, you know, what cemented it. And what was interesting is, so I got a call. So Kobe died on that Sunday. That following Monday, my fiance and I were actually signing our paperwork 
for our new house that we just bought. And so we just have to be um, at a local um, furniture store. And I get the call from my mom. And my mom is, you know, the 60-year-old West African woman. She was like, son, you know, did you hear the news? Uh, Kobe Bryant is dead. And, of course, my, me thinking ignorantly, I'm like, oh, my mom, she, she's old. She don't know what these players are. There's probably some uh, worn-off player that you all know about. And literally, I pull out my phone. I type in K. And the first thing that pops up, Kobe Bryant did a plane crash. And when I tell you I was completely destroyed, Daryl, and like, I mean, you know me, like I fell back, I fell in love with basketball for like everybody else, like regards like LeBron or Michael Jordan is the greatest. To me, Kobe Bryant will and forever be the greatest basketball player to ever be. Cause again, like, and not necessarily because of his skills or how many championships he won, but it was because of that Mamba mentality. And so like for me, when when I heard that news, like I was, I was truly heartbroken, bro. Definitely, and I think I think one of the thing about I think so many people respected about Kobe, um, he's, even though he's one of the greatest, it, it almost seemed as if he wasn't naturally great, right? He mm-hmm. worked harder than anybody else in the league. Um, just the amount of work he put into his uh, craft, and just the amount of. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard stories of players saying, like, if if you know if they was in there working out, and, and Kobe was in there, he would stay to the last person leave just to show you that no one is going to outwork mm-hmm. me. Um, and so I think that mentality was huge for our generation. Uh, so one 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 quick story. I remember, um, like you know, so after his death, there were all these like different um, uh, former athletes and sportcasters talking. And so I remember the story that. Jay Williams told like when he first got in the league you know one highly drafted from Duke University was like one of these up-and-coming stars they were playing in Charlotte and you know um he shows up to the court and he hears somebody on the court like getting jump shots up get and we're talking about like two three hours before the game started right and so he goes and he sees that it's Kobe and like you know he um he's um like he goes talk like he's a huge Kobe fan Kobe's like oh yeah I'm I'm, I'm gonna give you 50 tonight, and like he, he laughed it off. You know, he's like, "Oh, well, it's Kobe. He's probably just Kobe gave him 60 that night." And after the game, Kobe was still on the court shooting jump shots. And um, another really quick story: I think it was after his first or second season uh, with the Lakers, and he he missed the three pointer that would have cemented their position in the NBA Finals. And literally after they flew home. The first place, the first place uh, Kobe went was to the gym to get those jump shots up. So I think Daryl, to your point, like I think Kobe represents so much outside of basketball, right? He represents like that tenacity. Like last week, we talked about like the sacrifices that you and I were making in regards to like going to the library from uh, twelve midnight to four a.m. like four or five times a week, right? Like that. That was the Mamba mentality, whereas most of our peers, what were they doing? They were hanging out, partying, smoking, drinking, you know, having a good time, doing what college students do. But again, because we saw so much more for our future, we decided that, you know, we're going to, yeah, we're we're still going to have fun and still enjoy ourselves, but, you know, we're going to put in the work to ensure that we get to where we want to get to. Definitely. And I think a lot of people especially a lot of younger people don't get it. Cause you know, this is kind of like LeBron's era, but Kobe was drafted in 1996. 
So this is like our whole entire childhood, right? From 1996 to 2016, those 20 years, we grew up on Kobe. Um, till this day, if if I'm on the court and I hit a step back and I splashed in your face, Kobe. the first thing I'm screaming is Kobe, man. And so shout out to Kobe Bryant, definitely a huge loss, not only to the black community, not only to the basketball community, the business community, but to the world um, in general. Um, and so that happens. Um, and then I think the next biggest thing, I'm gonna skip one that's on our list. Um, but the next thing is Donald Trump was being impeached. Um, and so a lot of people know, there was a lot of talk about um, the impeachment because of the election, um, just in general solicited um, interferences from foreign governments and how he was elected and reelected. And so he was impeached by the house um, and then, of course, you know, you have to have a trial by the Senate. And so the Republicans, as they always do, stuck together, stuck to their guns, mm -hmm. um, and they acquitted Donald Trump. Um, and so he he yeah. remained in so office. The, so, so the House actually impeached him. So Donald Trump um, did get impeached. But what most people don't understand is the, impeach, the impeachment process is a twofold process. Because if you remember, uh, Bill Clinton got impeached as well. Mm -hmm. um for lying in front of congress so the house which was democratic led impeached donald trump but once it made it to the senate which was the majority which was held by the republicans they acquitted him yeah and so the senate they still hold that power whether or not they want to convict him um and keep or remove him from office and so with the republicans ruling in the the senate his term got to keep going um and so that's february right um and so as you know, we have this this brewing up um, coronavirus thing going on. Um, but as you can see, politics continue to be a strong, a strong, strong uh, influence in what's going on in America. Um, and then let's skip to March, March 11th, the World Health Organization calls COVID-19 uh, a pandemic. And so I think Damn, by this point, Go ahead. What were you doing at that point, bro? I, like, let, let's let's get let's get right to the meat and bones of it. Like, when when we first heard that announcement, like, what was going on through your mind? Right. So this, I was still in residency at this time, and so I, mm -hmm. I was living in West Virginia uh, doing my residency with Shenandoah University, and I was first off, I was scared, right? Because um, I was mm -hmm. working in a doctor's office. That's where all the sick people go. I was thinking about all my patients who have been sneezing mm -hmm. and coughing. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, yo, I need to stop going to work. Um, and mm -hmm. I think I think the one thing that scared me um, the most was kind of the chain reaction from no mm. one caring to how fast things begin to change, right? Mm. Um, mm. And the next few things on our list are kind of like some of those those chain effects of how things begin mm -hmm. to change. But what, what kind of, what were your thoughts when you, when, when the World Health Organization finally was like, this is, this is a serious thing. So I, so again, like, as, as you know, and most of you uh, by now know from last week, I'm in education. So I'm working on my doctorate um, and I attend the University of Pennsylvania. And so I think Harvard was the first institution to, um, to, you know, send their students home and say they were shutting down and, you know, um, as Harvard does, so do the others follow. 
and I think Penn came next. And so, like, again, like, at this point, I was done taking classes, so I'm in dissertation state, so I'm already home doing my work anyways. But, again, I'm also working full-time. And I remember getting to work that day, and our managing partner called us all into the um, to the – to the conference room and she was like you know uh grab your computers grab a desktop grab a keyboard grab whatever you need for at least the next month because nobody knew how long this was gonna last like everybody like everybody was like oh this will probably last two weeks this will probably last a month because like the the closest thing that we could go off of was ebola that for the grand majority of the country didn't really affect so you know i grabbed my laptop uh grabbed my uh desk and, you know, I, I went home, but, like, I was also thinking that, you know, like, I would be back home. I mean, I would be, I, I, we'd be back in the office in, like, two, three weeks. I didn't think, like, a month later, like, we would still be here. Right, right. And and now we're at a year later. Um, just mm-hmm. to spoil it, if you're listening to this, you probably already know. <laughs> yeah. uh, we're still in it, and it's worse than it's ever been. Um, it is. And so... March 11th, uh, the World Health Organization calls it a pandemic. Uh, Same day, uh, there was, and so it's funny because you got to be careful how you play around. So Rudy Gobert, NBA basketball player, was doing an interview and they brought up COVID. And at the end of the interview, he was trying to be funny. and He went and touched every microphone Mm -hmm. on the table. Um, He was the first player to to get COVID. Um, And Mm -hmm. at that point, they decided to 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 end the suspend the NBA season, mm-hmm. um, and they later went to a bubble system. Um, but it kind of took a while for them to even figure out what exactly that looked like. Um, mm-hmm. um, and so, did you miss basketball when it stopped? I um, mean, before they figured it out, what were your thoughts on whether or not they was going to come back? So you know, uh, one thing that you and I both share is our love for love for the game and. You know, I look forward. I like. I look forward to the games, and so it was so interesting because during that time, like you started seeing people like ESPN was literally, uh, fi- like showing like EA Sports, like other people playing video games. Like, and granted, like I know it's like a it's a grown thing, and it's a it's a big league that's coming up, but this is not normal. Like I'm used to seeing football, basketball, baseball, like some type of like organized sports. I'm not. Like, again, like, I'm not a, a teenager or a young kid. Like, I'm not watching somebody else play 2K on my TV. And so, for me, like, it was just, it was just, it like, it, it was mind-blowing. Because I'm like, yo, literally, what, like, what am I, what do I do now? Right, right. And then I think what hurt people more than the NBA was March Madness. Oh, my God. I mean, basketball fans to the heart. I mean, me and Will are definitely on opposite sides of the spectrum. Uh, I support UNC Chapel Hill as I'm alum, go Tar Heels all day. Everybody knows Duke is a better school and UNC is lesser, but, you know, continue. Hey, I'm I'm just happy I've seen my team win championships, which you have, too, in the last few years. Um, But I think that was heartbreaking, right? And so Mm -hmm. I think that was the start to people saying, okay, is serious, right? They send college students home, as Will mentioned. Um, they say we're shut down for two weeks. So everybody's thinking, yo, we get a quick two-week vacation. Mm-hmm. Everything is sweet. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're going to go home for two weeks. Everybody's excited. Mm-hmm. Two weeks never ends. And so... We've been living a two-week cycle for the last year and some change. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, and so Trump, Trump, after everyone else closed, also all major businesses made their decisions. Uh, our our interesting president, Donald Trump, then decides to do a travel ban on Europe. Um, and that's kind of when he starts publicly acknowledging that, that the virus was, was more serious. Mm -hmm. um, and so fast forward to March 26th. Um, so there, uh, the country comes out with the CARES Act. Um, and so most most people refer to this as when, when we got those first round of stimulus checks, right? First stimmies. You know what I'm saying? Everybody wanted the stimulus checks. Um, so the government, $2 trillion, um, which ended up getting people with under $99,000 of income, mm -hmm. getting $1,200 per person. And I think it was 500 for each child. Mm -hmm. um, so well, what did you do with your stimulus check? So even before we talk about that, we need to talk about unemployment, right? Yeah, yeah. Because when you look at when you look at the, the United States historical trend of unemployment, the last time we had a height of unemployment was during the Great Depression, so during the 1930s, and it only reached what 600 and I think the number was 667,000 people. And granted, we had a lesser population then than we do now, but at the height of COVID, 40 million people were out of work. Like that's that was the impetus that created the CARES Act. Like that was what like really opened the door to like this person, this money. But to your question, I mean, Dale, you know me. Uh, for those of you who know me, I am an investor. I am big in the stock market. I invest um, in big tech. I invest in disruptive technologies and I invest in cryptocurrency. So literally my entire $1,200 check, you know, I am very blessed. Thank you God for, you know, everything that he's done for my life, but I didn't necessarily need that money to survive. So I used that money to invest in my family's future. So literally I put all of it in the market. Yeah, so that's that's one of the things you guys will learn this season. Me and Will are very different financially. So I, I laugh and say <laughs> he's about that long-term uh, investments and I'm about quick money. So I took my 1200 and I was out, I was out there buying cameras. <laughs> um, so you guys know I own a photography company. And so I invested mine into some camera gear, um, which, which really helped me elevate my business to the next mm -hmm. level um, at the stage that I was at then. Um, and so we're going to talk about that a little later, but there's definitely some good things that come out, out of 2020. I know we kind of, a lot of these things are a little on the sadder side, but there's definitely a lot of good things to come. Yo, right? can we talk about these murder hornets though? I totally forgot about the thing. Man, the hornets. So that was something crazy in May. I was just like, I, matter of fact, just insects in general. I mean, the locusts. Mm. And the bugs around the country, <laughs> bugs the I ain't point? never heard. <laughs> I never. I, I, I will. I will say though, I never seen the hornets in North Carolina, so I don't really yeah. know. So I actually saw one in Philadelphia. Oh really? So one one day I was outside on my on my uh, porch grilling, and I can see like you know how you hear bee sounds. So I'm actually allergic to bees, so every time I hear bees, I get really nervous. And I turn around and I kid you not, this thing was literally about three inches and I got terrified. I closed my grill, forget them ribs and chicken that was on there. I closed, like, I was like, uh-uh, not today, G. Not, not today, Satan. You will not get me today, boy. I ran in so damn quick, boy. You thought I was Hussein Boat. 
Man. Yeah, this, no, those, those things were scary. Yeah, so that was just out of left field. That made everybody thought, yo, this is Revelations. Jesus coming back next week. <laughs> if you ain't got your life together, Listen, you better get start praying today. Together, man. Um, so that was that was random, random craziness, you know, killer, murder hornets, and you not made it to the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and then May 25th kind of mm. shifted. I think this is this has probably been one of the biggest shifts and and moments. Um, because we know especially as black men that we've been struggling with inequalities and police brutality for years. Mm -hmm. Uh, You had Colin Kaepernick kneeling, um, Mm -hmm. protesting during uh, the national anthem and and getting basically blackmailed from the, from the league and the NFL. Mm -hmm. And so we've had so many issues leading up to this moment. Um, And so May 25th marks the death of George Floyd. Um, and so we'll just talk a little bit about what that experience was like for you. So this, this experience was actually very personal to me. Um, as you all know, the Black Lives Matter movement uh, grew out of Trayvon Martin, a young teenager being killed by George Zimmerman in Florida. But George Floyd's death to me was, it, it was personal. There's this, there's an old saying that, um, you know, a recession is when something financially negatively happens to somebody else. A depression is when it happens to you. And in the sake of of this situation, this was a depression to me. George Floyd got murdered and killed two blocks away from where I attended high school. So literally on the corner where uh, me and my friends from high school, you know, before basketball games, we went and got Chinese food from uh, Bill's Garden. Like during lunch, we went to the corner store to get some candy and some juices. You know, the um, the unofficial school store was on that corner. So that was the area that I frequent for God knows how many times from the age of 15 all the way to the age of 18. And so for me, that was so personal because it was like, yeah, this is another black man that died, but it was like, this happened in my neighborhood. This happened in my community. This happened in a place that I walked on countless times. And for me, I think that's when it really hit me like, yo, like you can be next. And I think like the outcry from, you know, the the national outcry was something. But when you started seeing international outcry, so um, my older sister, uh, uh, Dolores, I call her D, she actually lives in Denmark. Like she's married to... Um, uh, a citizen of Denmark. They live there now. And she was telling me that in Denmark, mind y'all, Denmark is a country that is 90, I want to say it's 98% white. They were having protests in Denmark. Back in Cameroon, where my home country where I'm from, they were having Black Lives Matter protests in, in Cameroon, a, a, a 98% majority Black community. In China, they were having Black Lives Matter protests. So I think to that point, George Ford's death wasn't only like, oh, another un- unarmed Black man died, but it was it was literally that qualification of something that really moved not only our nation, but the world. Daryl, like, what was going on through your mind during that time? Yeah, I, th- I think one of the things, um, and if you, if you were under a rock during 2020, you didn't hear about this story, it's definitely one you want to look up. 
Um, but I think one of the harshest things about this this murder, I mean, it was so well documented. Um, there were three officers um, literally kneeling on on two of them on the backs of this man and one with his knee on the neck um, of George Floyd um, for over eight minutes. I think it was eight minutes mm -hmm. and like 40 eight seconds. Like 42 seconds. 42 seconds. And we literally watched a man die. Um, and so, so many, um, so many of these tragic events that have been captured on tape were always circumstantial where you, you kind of saw what happened, but you don't know, well, this is what happened. And, and so I think this is one of those cases where you could literally, especially when the footage came out, I think it got worse as the footage came out about this case where you saw this man begging for his life way before he even got on the ground. Like even when the mm -hmm. conversation started, it, it's almost eerie as if he knew he was going to die that day. Um, and so seeing him die slowly and just people on the streets crying for this man's life mm -hmm. and they, they no regard handcuffed uh, three people on them. They could have easily put him in a cop car. I think it, it, I think for me, I think being a black man in America and being afraid to die didn't change. I think that's a, a reality that I've always lived in. I think mm -hmm. what pierced me the most is how unbothered so many Americans were. Mm -hmm. And so having to go to work and my white colleagues not feel the pain, mm -hmm. I think that's what affected me the most. Like that's, mm -hmm. and I mean, as me and Will have been in a lot of white dominated spaces. Mm -hmm. um, and so as you move up the ladder in success, you, you get used to being uncomfortable in different mm -hmm. rooms. Um, but just the pure lack of humanity and lack of understanding, I think that's what really shook me, right? And so you see somebody die and no one cared. Um, and this didn't make the list, but people were more moved about the gorilla that got killed in the zoo. Harambe. Harambe than they were Joyce Floyd. Mm -hmm. um, and so just that, that almost like before it was like, I'm fighting to be a successful black man in America. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then it kind of shifted to, I'm fighting to be seen as human, mm -hmm. you know? And so Daryl, to that point and uh, shameless plug. So I actually published an article in the uh, Pen uh, University of Pennsylvania Grad School of Education's Urban, Urban Gen uh, Journal about the specific topic. And by now, as many of you know, you know, Daryl has a bachelor's degree. He also has a he's also a doctor of pharmacy. I have a bachelor's degree, I have a master's degree, and in May I'll be graduating my doctorate of education. And I say that not to gloat, but I say that with the um uh notion that, you know, growing up, my mother always told me, do well in school, go to um, do well in high school, go to college, get a good job, and you have a good life. And even here, as two individuals that have attended um, both a historically Black college, in addition to some of the top universities in the world, like, we're still Black men in America, right? And so to that point, I remember the day after George Floyd uh, dying, going to work, and they would just have a conversation like, it was just a regular Tuesday. And, you know, you know, I see my other, and again, like, uh, for those of you who don't know, I work in the private sector. I work I, at the time. 
I was working for a firm that out of the, I want to say the black population of my firm was probably less than 2%. And so I'm looking at the other three black people that work there and like, you know, I'm giving them a nod. Like, we, we know what's going on. But like our colleagues like, hey, well, how's your day? How's your night? Like, yo, did you not, did, did, did you not watch the news? Did you not see what happened? Are you really going to like ask me how, like, how I enjoyed the game last night? Did you not see that another black man was murdered in cold blood for for a fake twenty dollar bill? So yeah, yeah, man. It was, and then just, it, the, it, I think it was the fact that they could separate themselves from it, mm-hmm. which made it just mm-hmm. so more painful mm-hmm. that they could choose not to watch. You know, like, and I think that was tough because you, you know, you people talk about protecting yourself and protecting your space and your mental mm-hmm. health. But when it is so consistent in this mm-hmm. country, it is really hard to not engage with such craziness, mm-hmm. especially when it can be you. Um, like if you guys know mm-hmm. me and Will, we're not small petite dudes, you know? So mm-hmm. any, any day that we're going to play basketball or just wearing leisure wear, you don't know that we have doctorate degrees. You don't know mm-hmm. how much information we know. You don't know the impact that we make in our community. And so we know at the end of the day, we could be George Floyd. Um, mm-hmm. And that's a, a sad reality that white Americans don't connect with. Mm-hmm. And But Daryl, let's touch on the aftermath of that. We saw something that we have never seen in this country before because Trayvon Martin died. There were riots and there were um, protests in Florida. Like um, um, all these other named and unnamed black people died. There were riots and protests in their cities that they happened. But what happened when George Floyd died? We saw something in this country that we have never seen. And I will never forget that day as myself and my fiance sat down in every major city from Los Angeles to Sacramento to Minneapolis to Philadelphia to DC to Raleigh, North Carolina to Miami, Florida to Atlanta to Houston, Texas. Every single city was up in flames. And and prior to those flames, there were peaceful protests, but but those peaceful protests soon because of agitation, again, and I want to be very poignant about this, because of agitation from the police force, they turned to riots. And so you saw something that was interesting. And I think back to a quote by Mark, uh, by the late great Dr. King, where he said that riots are the language of the unheard. And for so long in this country, we've been unheard, we've been unlistened to, we've been treated as other than, and we've been treated as a negative aspect that that's, that, that's what came out of that. Yeah, and I and I think, and honestly, if we if we are to look at America historically, that has always been the response from the people who felt unheard. And I think one of the interesting mm-hmm. takes is that a lot of people felt like Black America was overreacting. Um, but the reality is there there's been no great change in America without violence, and that's not about the Black mm-hmm. community. That's that's from separating from that's Britain from like the 1600s 1600s that's that's how we end this like 
and if and if we fast forward to today, um, and depending on where you're listening to it, there are people who are strong supporters of Donald Trump who felt unheard, and we saw their their attack on the Capitol. Um, but we didn't hear as much terminology of thugs, and mm-hmm. you know when 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 Black America was upset. You know, the president said when the shooting start, when the looting starts, the shooting starts, starts. you know, but when, when this situation at the Capitol happened, he got on and said, you know, you guys are special. I love you all. Be safe. Go home. Mm -hmm. And so I -hmm. think for a long time, there's been a lot of tension building up on how to to handle race relations specifically in police brutality in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people need hope. And so that was a very dark time. That, sum, that was a very rough summer. Um, but in the midst of that summer, we did um, choose a candidate per se for, for the Democratic side. And so Joe Biden was selected to to represent the Democrats. Um, so, what what was your general thoughts when he when he made it through the primaries? Originally, I didn't like him, and I I say that because again, um, I I am a historian of sorts, so I remember Joe Biden was one of the um, the key signings of the ninety eight crime bill. He was one of the major players in the fact that we have so many black and brown bodies in um in prisons today and again you know like for somebody that knows that history like i was a huge bernie sanders supporter i wanted bernie to become the next president because i share a lot of his liberal views um you know i share a lot of his political views and it's all i i like i was feeling the burn but what I realized is the fact that although I was within a a lot, and I, you know, I, I use this term a loud minority, right? And I say that term because you have a lot of people that talk about liberalism. You have a lot of people that talk about, you know, this advancement, but everybody's not really on their wave. And, you know, um, my fiance, you know, as a strong um, historian of politics, she had to remind me, is like, Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders cannot unify this country like uh, like Joe Biden can. And, you know, Joe Biden, he is, he's a conservative liberal, right? So he understands the conservative side, but he also understands the liberal side. But where I gained respect for him, where I was like, okay, this could actually work. This could actually work is when he named uh, Kamala Harris as his running mate. And so, Dell, like, I just, I, I want you to pick up there. When you heard that a black South, a uh, Southeast Asian woman from Howard University was going to be a running mate as a potential next vice president, now is going to be in less than a week's time the official uh, vice president of these United States of America. What was what was that feeling like, bro? I'm gonna be honest. You know, y'all. I want our listeners to know we transparent. I was nervous. I think that was the word that I could say. I think as an HBCU grad, as an African-American in this country, I was proud um, that that kind of opportunity presents itself in this day and time. But I think as, as Donald Trump ran with such a strong um, 
his campaign was so geared towards white supremacy and just hatred. And I thought that it, I didn't know if being too diverse was enough, right? Um, and so it worked out. Uh, he made the right, I think he did make the right choice. Um, she's much younger than he is. And so I think in every element, she brings an amazing um, perspective to to his team. And he just finished selecting his cabinet. Um, I, I, I could, I don't know, I'm not a historian, but I'm pretty sure it's probably the most diverse cabinet it is any president ever. It is. As, as a historian of education and as a historian of a little bit of politics, this is the most diverse cabinet we've ever had. Right. So, so we've ever had. Yeah. So I think it's exciting. I think, I think in the midst of seeing how strong white supremacy and racism still is in America, I think there's, there's still that that hope growing at the same time that there's a large proportion of America who believes and wants change. And so that's, that's, mm -hmm. there, there's this parallel of hope that runs alongside of it. You know, we've, we've seen an, a lot of amazing stuff in our lifetime. We've seen the first mm -hmm. African-American president and Barack Obama and Michelle Obama. We've seen now soon to be the first, um, Asian and African-American vice president. And so the sky has definitely been the limits. Um, and so that's, I think that for me, that's been the biggest, that mm -hmm. dichotomy has been crazy because mm -hmm. George Floyd mm -hmm. shows you could get killed in the street, but Barack Obama and, and um, the new vice president, they show that you can make it all the way to the top. And so it's hard mm -hmm. trying to, having that dual reality that, you know, both things are possible. Um, and so I think that's when we kind of talk about white privilege in this country, it's that you don't have mm -hmm. to have that fear of dying in the streets or, or doors being shut because of how you mm -hmm. look. Um, none of that kind of impedes your ability to get to the top. Definitely. So Dale, I, I, I got a question, bro. We're gonna talk about your boy running for president. Oh, yeah. So uh, Independence Day, July 4th, there was an announcement uh, that Kanye West, American rapper, threw his name in the ring to run for president <laughs> of the United States. Um, and there had been rumors for a long time that he wanted to do it. And just a little context, Con Kanye has been through a lot, I think, on the mental spectrum in the last few years. Um, more stable recently than other years, um, you know, claiming Christ and coming out with a gospel album and trying to refocus his life. Um, but I think it was interesting. What What did you think when he when he said he wanted to run for president? I thought it was a joke. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like Kanye is like rapper wise, not personality wise, but rapper wise, probably one of my favorite artists of all time. But when he said he was running for president, like, I didn't take it seriously. But then I, so I, I take that back. I didn't take it seriously, but I did take it seriously. Because if we take a step back and remember, when Donald Trump first initially said he was running for president, everybody thought it was a joke. So for those of you who um, were just born this year, that will be watching this 20 years from now, previously to being president, Donald Trump was a celebrity in many shapes of 
you know, the word. And so when he announced his, and he was most known for his show, The Celebrity Apprentice. And so when he announced that he's running for president, like people really took it as a joke. Like nobody think he would win the um, Republican candidacy because Donald Trump actually used to be a Democrat and actually gave a lot to the Democratic Party. And so nobody took it seriously. And so when um, Kanye came out, I was like, oh, this this is a joke, but what about if it's not? And so that really scared me because of that, like, um, that lapse in mental capacity on the spectrum. Yeah. So I think I think it surprised a lot of people. I mean, he ended up getting about over 60,000 votes. And so mm-hmm. definitely some wasted votes, in my opinion. Um Mm-hmm. with Kanye but that you know you never know this is America when they when I say when they say mm-hmm. anything is possible they really mean anything is possible um and so before we continue uh, let's take a quick break and hear from one of our sponsors and we'll be back in just a second this podcast was brought to you by optical illusions photography and media let us capture your best moments in the perfect way All right, now we're back. Uh, thank you guys for for listening. Uh, so we're going to jump right back into it. Um, and so the next big thing that happened in 2020 happened on July 17th, um, the death of John Lewis. Um, mm. And mm. so what were your thoughts on that when that first happened, Will? It was heartbroken, man. Like this is, John Lewis was one of our last great like civil rights leaders, right? Like, so when you think about like, the like Frederick Douglass, the Booker T. Washingtons, the W.B. Du Boises, the um, Huey P's, the um, Maker Evers, Dr. King, like John Lewis was Dr. King's right hand man. Like most people don't realize that. Like this is a man that literally fought and bled for the right to vote, and then became a congressman to ensure that people had that voting right. So like his death. His death to me, like as just somebody that is educated and understands the history of education, it it, it really hit me hard, bro. Like, I, and I really don't know how to express it in words, but it was almost like it was almost like losing that beloved grandfather that I never knew. Definitely, and I think I think it was just. I also think his death symbolized so much. I mean, it was so it was so powerful because of when it happened, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've kind of talked about this has been an up and down year when it comes to race relations in this country, when it comes to politics in this country. Um, and so for so many of the things we were pushing for, a voice, having the right to vote, um, he represented so many of those things. And so um, his, I think his death was definitely tough um but he's opened so many doors for so many yes. people uh without john lewis there would be no barack obama mm-hmm. um and so there's there's so many things that he's he's left behind and so much legacy um and i know will you were kind of talking about how his influence is still in politics today for even some of the newer people to come into government definitely so one of the big things that we saw um just last week matter of fact on the day that you had the um uh white supremacists like stormed the capitol unfortunately that was the story of the day but what should have been the story of the day was the historical feat that happened in georgia right 
And so for those of you who are political buffs, like Georgia is a deeply red state. Like a Republican, I mean, a Democrat has not been voted um, like president or Senate or congressperson in Georgia for the better half of the last two decades. Not only did um, Joe Biden win the the um, the electoral votes in the state of Georgia, but you had uh, Reverend Warnick, who just so happens to be uh, John Lewis's pastor, and Osaw, who also just so happened to be and uh, somebody who interned for John Lewis um, as a congressional intern become Democrats. So I think to that point, and you know, Daryl and I are both like believers, believers of Christ. And I think um, when that happened, even though with everything else going on in the country, like, you know, somebody made the quote that John Lewis smiled down upon them today and allowed that to happen and allowed and gave Joe Biden a fighting chance for like really changing this country. because. Because of those two um, two uh, people being elected into the United States Senate, it actually switched the majority from the Republicans to the Democrats. So I think that was a really interesting feat. And so RIP, uh, you know, Brother John Lewis, uh, we're going to miss you, but the impact that you made on this world and this country will never be forgotten. Definitely, definitely. And it's, and it's, it's been a tough year. We've lost a lot of heroes Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this next guy we're going to talk about mm-hmm. was truly a hero in real life and a hero on the screen, mm-hmm. um, most popular for his, his depiction in a Marvel film, the Black Panther, mm-hmm. uh, we lost Chadwick Boseman, uh, Wakanda forever, um, definitely set a stage in the midst of craziness. I think his impact. I think that was one of the biggest, um, when we talk about hope, a lot of that stuff isn't tangible, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think he brought so much hope, even though it was just a movie. I mean, he had adults in costumes going out to see this movie. Um, kind of, cause I know, I know you guys were excited when you went out and mm-hmm. saw, what was your feeling when you heard about this movie and what did it mean to you even before his passing? So I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a step back here. So um, most of you don't know, I was born in Cameroon and I actually came to the United States when I was six. So growing up in the States, like I was ridiculed. I mean, you name it, I heard it. African booty scratcher. Um, do y'all live in huts? You ever chased a lion? You ever wrestled a zebra? I'm like, the first lion zebra I saw in my life is when I moved to Minnesota and went to the zoo, right? And so... I think what Chadwick represented, and like this man has played some greats. He played Jackie Robinson in 42. He played Thurgood Marshall. He's played, he's played so many monumental roles, but Black Panther, Black Panther was that movie for us, right? Like that, that pan, Black, Black Panther was that movie that, you know, showed us what Black excellence looked like. Wakanda was that Wakanda was our Disney world. Wakanda was a place where it was technologically advanced. You had, you had the 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 prolific, the prolification of what true black excellence looks like. And I think you know his death was so hard for us because not only was that one of the largest grossing films of all time, not only did that bring in more money for Disney and Marvel than any of of their other movies. Um, put together but it just it gave us hope that like our time was coming 
And so to see the world lose somebody like that was, for me, it it, it was truly heartbroken. Heartbreaking. Definitely. Um, and I will say, I think one of the the good things, not even good, but one of the interesting things that I got out of that situation is how important it is to have good people around you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so Chadwick was, um, he was diagnosed with cancer and actually completed a lot of his final films mm-hmm. while literally getting chemotherapy and getting treatment. Um, and so for him to go all of these years and people not know really meant that he had a good team around him, a, a bunch of people who poured into him, who loved him and held his secret. Um, and so I think that alone is just powerful as as we work to grow and, you know, expand ourselves, asking yourself, what does your community look like? Right. Mm-hmm. And then does it allow you to be the best version of yourself you can be? Right. Because his friends telling, selling his story could have easily ruined the end of his career. Mm-hmm. Right. No one would have wanted to work with him if they would have known his condition or they would have felt bad for him. But he finished strong um, all the way up to the end. Um, and so that's just something to think about. Um, that's those are things that are unspoken. Um, but he mm-hmm. must have had a strong core of people around him for sure. Definitely. And if and if you get a chance, I would highly recommend everybody. The last movie that he actually put out just recently came out a couple of weeks ago. It's called Ma Rainey's Blues, I believe it is. And it's a depiction of like the godmother of blues and his like when I tell you acting, bro, like I was like, you know, I, I try to consider myself a pretty masculine man. Like I was brought to tears in that movie, bro. Like the way he depicted that character, it just showed you like like, like, you know, when we think about acting, we think about Denzel, like, Chadwick was the Denzel of our day. And, like, I feel confident in saying that, like, Chadwick, he did his thing in that movie. So definitely go check that in. And to Dale's point, like, community is important, but, like, who's in your circle? Who's in your circle? And I say that candidly because, um, you know, oftentimes, like, we surround ourselves around with people that we either grew up with or we went to school with and so forth and so on. But, you know, one thing I highly encourage you all to ask is, like, you know, do a do a reconnaissance of, like, who are the people that you spend the most time with? And are they allowing you to be to better yourself? And are they pushing you towards your greatness? Or are they just taking up space, right? And I think that's an important aspect that we have to look at. And, you know, we'll... We'll touch on that in a later episode, but I just I, I just want to leave that subject with that. Who's in your circle and are they better in your life or are they taking up space? Definitely. Um, and so so 2020 so far, we've seen the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, but let's skip to September where nature said, put some respect <laughs> on my name. Yeah, my turn. <laughs> Um, and so crazy wildfires in California, um, hurricane season, as we all know, is typically in the fall. Bro, Australia was on fire. Australia was on fire. Australia was on fire. Like. Oh, and by the way, the COVID was still going on too. COVID, COVID is secretly getting worse, y'all. <laughs> all this stuff we're talking about. Every event we talk about, COVID was biting people on the neck <laughs> while they was trying to deal with these moments. 
Um, and so that was that was tragic. People literally losing their homes um, mm-hmm. in the midst of a, a pandemic, in the midst of the highest unemployment oh. rate in a long time. A depression. Call Mind it what you, it is. We're, we're in September at this point. We haven't gotten any money since the $1,200 mm-hmm. in March. You know, they said, I guess y'all need to stretch that. <laughs> y'all should have been spending that $10 a week um and stretch that out so up until that point still no stimulus right Yo, um and so we talk about this first presidential debate though man so i think <laughs> first presidential debate <laughs> y'all y'all know donald trump <laughs> y'all know joe biden surprised me man joe joe biden had a little swag he he had his hands up they didn't get much accomplished. I'm talking about it. It was almost like two toddlers arguing over a toy. I don't. I don't know. I think one of the biggest. So let me let me say first one of the biggest things that stood out to me. I think we we share our opinions about politics slightly in the, throughout the episode, but I think this is one of the moments where Donald Trump had an opportunity to show who mm-hmm. he was. Um, mm-hmm. And so he was asked- and he showed who he was. He was asked in the debate to denounce white supremacy. Directly, like, do you denounce white supremacy um, and kind of what they stand for? And I think the the, the quote he said um, was, proud boys um, stand up and stand by. Proud boys stand back, uh, stand back and stand by. Right, right. And so that's definitely not a denouncing of anything. Um, that's kind of like that sounds like marching orders to me. Exactly. And we've seen they were standing by um as as they took over and took over the Capitol um in their insurrection. Um mm-hmm. and so that was that was a scary time, right? Because that's when we kind of see Donald Trump truly play into the hands of this is, and I, I don't even know his personal beliefs. I think Donald Donald Trump is a very strategic person, um, and he knows that inciting hate and mm-hmm. and playing this race game is his best chance. Best right? base. Um, and so that's that's what his supporters love. Um, and so he plays his hand appropriately, um, being being the the highest, getting the most votes out of any sitting president in history, mm-hmm. he he gave it a fight. Um, Over 73 million people voted for him again. Right. And so after everything had happened. After everything had happened, he couldn't denounce white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't done a great job as a country uh, handling the COVID pandemic. Race relations are crazy. Uh, police reform is all over the place. Um, but yeah, he has a strong supporting, um, mm-hmm. and then of course we had an opportunity to see a vice president debate as well. And the, the, the presidential debate was crazy because we talk about that flying back on Mike Pence's head. Man, when I, <laughs> when I tell you, I seen, I seen memes with the fly with, <laughs> with Biden signs. <laughs> Um, and so if you haven't seen it, Mike Pence had a fly and, you know, he has like a real kind of almost like a white blondish color hair. Um, and he had a fly just chilling out. 
And I'm talking about for like a good 10 minutes. Like it wasn't like just flew on and flew off. No. That 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 flag took a front seat to the debate. The the uh, the flowers in full protest. Um and so I think that that was funny because it was we didn't know what to expect. Um, and so mm-hmm. no disrespect to Kamala, she came out. Kamala Harris, she came out, did her thing. Um, you better put the, some respect on her name, Vice President Kamala Harris. Hey, that's true. That's true. The Honorable, but she had nothing on the fly. I think the fly stole the show. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that debate was better. That they definitely kind of hit on some of the issues. We know politicians typically never answer the questions. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but we kind of got to see more of what their thoughts were. Um, mm-hmm. But I honestly, the presidential debate was really what people was like geared up for. Um, you know, they kind of talk about, they use terms like Sleepy Joe and Kenny handle the attacks from Donald Trump. And um, he, he stood up. I think he called him a clown. Yeah, he held his own. He held his There's own. There's actually... And- there's actually a meme going around uh, where Barack is uh, talking to Joe, and he's like, uh, "Did you uh, when you went low? Did you go high?" Joe was like, "Nah, I called him a clown." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we know. So that that pushes us to November third. Ooh, election uh, week. Election week, right? So you got to remember, pandemic. People are dying. Over two hundred thousand. The, fires, the people. hurricanes. Over 200,000 people at this point have died in the United States alone of COVID-19. The president was at that point uh, pushing a campaign to not, for people to not mail in ballots. Um, And so he had already started to set the stage that, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. happens, someone is cheating and there's going to be found ballots. And so that's when he really was pushing his agenda, really pushing Mm -hmm. his people to vote in person and not not to trust the system as far as mail in ballots. Um, and so fast forward, of course, the le- election comes out and we're still, I think just a couple of days ago is the first time he's ever actually said that he wasn't going to be president. Um, yeah. And I think election week was interesting, right? Because I think for many of us, like, and I know me uh, speaking personally, like, yo, like I was terrified. Like I was like, literally CNN was on in our house 24 seven on at least three screens at a time. Because like, and you know, for many of you who you remember, like the first couple of hours were scary. Like, and like he was winning, he was winning the Alabamas, he was winning the Mississippis, the Floridas, the um, the South Carolinas. Pennsylvania. Started, yeah, he was winning Pennsylvania. He was winning, then he started winning uh, Wisconsin, Michigan. And then at that point we started getting really scared, but then once they started counting the mail-in ballots, that's where you see, where, that's where you saw the switch happen. A lot of states that historically have been red started turning uh, blue. And I think you know one one important thing to realize is Hillary Clinton won the 2016 election, lost the 2016 election because she lost um, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. And the Democrats knew in order to win this election, they had to win those three states specifically. And so in the early part of the week, Donald Trump was winning those states by tens of thousands of votes. But slowly and surely, those states started turning blue. And that's when all the commotion started coming out, reinforcing that ideology that he was pushing that, oh, they're still in the election. They're finding uh, ballots in creeks. Uh, somebody told me that 20,000 of my ballots were thrown out. 
So yeah, it was it it, it was crazy. Right, and so that's kind of how that was that was the highlight of how 2020 kind of came to an end is Donald Trump's um, his fight to disprove this election and to find a way to become president. And so we're kind of still at the time where we, we know it's pretty much over. You know, the electoral votes have come in. The Senate has approved them. Uh, we're eight days away from the inauguration of Joe Biden as president. Um, but there's still crazy tensions in America. Mm -hmm. um, and 2020 definitely really proved this case to be one of the most interesting history interesting years in American history. Um, I definitely can envision so many things. Uh, Kobe Bryant, uh, George Floyd, I can see those pictures in history books, right? I remember where I was when that happened. Right, you know, and that's, I think that's the most out of this world experience is to know your living history. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's one thing to just be living and then you know, like, you know, this is one of the craziest things to ever happen. This pandemic will be talked about until the end of time. Um, and so it's, and it's been a year, man. It definitely has. And Daryl, to that point you just made, another meme that I saw here there and I thought it was completely hilarious. It was this uh, lady looking over her uh, student, her son's homework. She was like, in 2045, me looking over my son's homework to make sure they, they talked about 2020 right because I lived through it. Like this has truly been a historical year in many ways, uh, both climate, both health, both wealth, both race. I mean, I'm talking about the world, the world was literally on fire, literally on fire. Yeah. And so we we grateful to literally with even just people dying from the pandemic, we we are truly grateful to make it to 2021 uh, we, we we thank god for not only our lives but every one of you listening um if you if you had any uh bouts with depression or feeling like you weren't worth it or you're not weren't supposed to be here the fact that you made it to 2021 when so many people did not shows mm -hmm. that there's something for you on this earth that you have yet to achieve um and so definitely keep your heads up i think I think 2021, and we won't talk about 2021 uh, too much, but it's it's showing that it ain't scared of 2020. Mm -hmm. It's it's showing that it <laughs> it it might rival it. <laughs> like this might be an era. This might not be just one year of crazy things. And so, um, we we are excited. Um, and and it, all all bad things didn't happen, right? And so, mm -hmm. it wasn't bad for all people. Mm -hmm. And so there was a lot of job loss. There was a lot of death, um, but there was a lot of businesses grown. Um, I know Willis has, has, has a business that has um, started to, to really expand in 2020. Uh, I've had a business that's grown in 2020. Um, people are becoming homeowners, as he kind of mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. um, so new I think- job opportunities. New job. We both, we both got new jobs in 2020. Um, and so I think being able to pivot regardless of, you know, where you are in life, I think is, is one, one of the biggest things that I've learned, um, in 2020 is that, you know, you, you can't really, there's a quote that says, um, I don't think purpose is something like 
I, the quote says, I don't think purpose is something we find. It's, it's something that we eventually recognize, right? And so it's almost like a pattern or a series of dots that are connected, um, that you, you essentially uh, see connected, right? And so if you think about your passions or things that you realize about your life now, it's, it's always there. Um, and so hard times are made to pivot and almost sometimes point you in the direction of stuff that may have already been birthed in you. Um, so Will, what, what's kind of been one of the biggest things you've taken from 2020? Um, to be grateful. Um, and I think, you know, that's a little bit loaded, but, um, you know, in this year where so many people have lost their job, their job. Um, so, and I didn't mention this earlier, but I actually lost my job and found a better one. Right. And, or matter of fact, they found me, I was reached out to by this firm, right. You know, in 2020, you know, my fiance and I, we purchased our first home. We're getting ready to welcome our first child into the world. And so although this year had a lot of dark moments, it also had a lot of light for a lot of people. And so I think, you know, Daryl, to your question, like I've just really learned to be grateful. And I remember, you know, say we're driving past the church and I was like, you know what, I might really just donate some money when I get paid this Friday because the Lord has really been good to me this year and he's blessed me more than I deserve. And I think, you know, for all of you who are going through some hardships, are going through hard times, are going through, you know, depression, realize that life is about seasons. Just because you're in one season doesn't mean that you need to remain there. Just because things aren't manifesting in the way that you saw, you thought they should, doesn't mean that you need to stay within that season. And we learn and we grow from there. So use that as an example of how do you use your current situation to create a better situation for yourself. Yeah, and so that, and I think that's the key, making a better situation, right? Um, and so for so many of us, what we thought was normal has been flipped upside down, right? And so we encourage you guys who are listening to use this opportunity to create a new normal, right? Your old life may be gone, and so, what can you do with what you have left, right? And I, I think I heard T.D. Jakes, or maybe it was even, I heard one pastor say, God will never use what you lost. He will always use what you have left to get you to your next level. Um, and so definitely keep that in mind. We have enjoyed going through a crazy year of 2020. Um, we're excited to be doing new things. And so we've pivoted and we're on, we're on zoom right now and we can't be together due to, due to the pandemic that's still growing. Um, but continue to pivot, um, and, and make changes to make your life for the better. Um, but we, we enjoyed talking to you guys today. Um, and we always want you to remember this is definitely more than just another podcast, um, so y'all have a blessed one and be looking out for our next episode. Peace. Peace. This podcast was brought to you by Optical Illusions Photography and Media. Let us capture your best moments in the perfect way.